0: Inshallah, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Just wanna share some quick, exciting news. I have a new ebook out. It's called Marriage Advice for Single Muslims. If you have been thinking about marriage and you have questions that you need answering, such as, once I get married, will I lose my freedom? What are the red flags I should look out for? What's a halal way of finding a prospective spouse? How can I get to know someone without dating? How do I know if he is the one? If they are the type of questions that you have, or maybe you have a friend or a sister who is thinking of marriage, but she needs some answers, then the book Marriage Advice for Single Muslimas is the book for you. You can purchase it at smartmuslima.com. In total, I have answered 28 questions and these are mainly, they're the most common questions that I have been receiving from sisters when I have done the Muslim Marriage Masterclass and then when I, I am, they fill in the survey that's on my website. So take a look, it's uh, smartmuslima.com. I have got the link in the podcast notes as well and I'd love to get your feedback on it on the book as well. my name is Farhat Damin, and I'm your host. And in today's episode, we will be looking at what's the best way to resolve problems in our marriages. Um, you know, now disagreements and conflicts are common in all marriages. No, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. So now the question is, when when you and your spouse come, you know, you're coming from different backgrounds, different families, you have different personalities. It's kind of inevitable that um, there are going to be slightly little clashes. And, um, you know, we've got, we're bringing out bad habits and little indi- indi- idiosyncrasies with us. So, and you know, and then we've got the day-to-day things, you know, daily child life so work, bills, kids, housework, extended family. So to have, you know, things are gonna happen, so we should get ready to deal with that and shouldn't be so shocked when we do argue with each other. But the question is, as Muslims, we want to have a way you know an islamic way and kind of method to deal with those problems when they arrive um and so what who i have um a lovely sister on today her name's sarah sultan she's from us and she's a licensed professional counselor and what she does in her so her day job is to speak speaking to clients and she inshallah we really like her little bias she says she wants to empower the clients who are achieving healthier more fulfilling lives and relationships while reconnecting with Allah. You know, how many counselors can you say, going to help you do that? And she has a master's degree in mental health counseling and has practiced therapy for, mashallah, nearly 10 years. Um, She's also an instructor with Mishka University where she teaches a course, this sounds interesting, about the intersection between Islam psychology and counseling. And Alhamdulillah, she's also, get this, a um, research fellow at Yaqeen Institute you know definitely check out her website salvasultan.com um so alhamdulillah thank you for coming on how are you today
1: alhamdulillah jazakallah khair for having me it's a, it's a privilege i'm really glad to be here
0: oh yeah jazakallah khair. i know it's uh it's it's early down your end how how early is it in us at the moment
1: so it's about, it's it's still morning just barely it's around 11 <laughs> 11 uh-huh. in the morning alhamdulillah yeah just starting the work day
0: Oh, okay, and so is, most of your counselling must be online at the moment.
1: Yeah, with COVID, I've actually moved my sessions to exclusively online for right now until until things kind of settle down with the, with the numbers in Chalma. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and do you find that doing online, does it still work?
1: So, you know, uh, since I started my private practice, uh, since mo- moving, I live in Houston, Texas. Uh, and so since moving here, I started my private practice. And actually, a lot of my work has been online. I was a little bit, um, hesitant at first, but I found that it works really well, especially, uh, you know, I work with a lot of new moms and, and moms in general. Uh, and so the ease of being able to be at home or even in your, in your car, like in your garage or whatever, uh, has really helped, uh, People to get access to therapy in a way that they maybe wouldn 't have if they had to come into an office every uh, every week, uh, so I found it to be effective i don 't use it for everything like for uh, for example for trauma um, trauma work i pr- I'm, you know I think in person is much uh, more effective uh, and also even with couple 's work sometimes it can be effective online I found uh, several cases where alhamdulillah it it worked very well, and then in other cases, it is really much better in person so uh, so it depends on the on a case to case basis, but it's been um, it's been helpful and that I've been enjoying it.
0: Mm-hmm. And is it mainly Muslims that you work with?
1: Yeah, since I started my private practice, it's pretty much um, exclusively uh, Muslims because they're the the people who tend to gravitate toward my approach. Since I um, do intertwine Islamic values and principles into the work. Uh, And so uh, so typically I I work with Muslims, although my my training was in a a secular university and Mm -hmm. in secular organizations all throughout the initial years of of my work. And then once I started my private practice about it's about six years now um, uh, that that's been pretty much exclusively Muslims.
0: Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of your counseling. Anna, how much of your counseling is about marriage?
1: So, um, you know, we could say if I'm, if, if you're asking how many, like percentage wise, how many couples I work with mm-hmm. versus how much is about marriage or two, it, it's interesting because they're actually two different questions, mm-hmm. right? With regards to the couple's work, I would say about um, 25% because I also do some family therapy and I also do um, a lot of individual work. Uh, I w- I've worked with teens as well in individual counseling. But when you think about how much of your work is about marriage with, you know, I would say that would be close to about 80% because uh-huh. in all of my individual sessions with anybody who is married, marriage comes up quite often and we work through a lot of marital issues individually. Um, and then also I work with a lot of young women who are not yet married and who are trying to find their partner and trying to find what, uh, what they need in, um, in a spouse. And so that in and of itself also deals a lot with the, with marriage, even though not in the traditional mm. sense that I think you're asking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also, that's quite, quite interesting about the the sisters who are looking to get married. So because I, I, had, I had I've done two podcasts about that, but I'd actually love to quickly ask you about that. but what is what are the public issues that those sisters are facing? What like what are the hurdles that they're oh, in front
1: of them yeah, for getting married? That's, that's a great question. I mean, it is really really hard um, mm. for a lot of these wonderful, uh, you know, successful uh, practicing Muslim women to find a spouse who's on par with. With the lifestyle that they're looking for. Um, I think that unfortunately there is a bit of a shortage of of Muslim men who are seriously looking for marriage um, and also the means right like the the apps a lot of times which are for the purpose of marriage don't always attract serious people who are seriously looking for marriage. Um, So for every one possibility you have to kind of navigate through at least 10 really difficult situations. Um, And, uh, and so there results in a lot of a sense of hopelessness in a lot of the the women that I work with in terms of, you know, will I ever find someone? Like I'm a good person. I've tried to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I have tried to remain faithful. I am choosing not to date because, you know, in, in the traditional, you know, Western sense of the word dating, because I want to strive to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I still can't find someone. It's been, you know, 10 years since I've been looking and I can't find anyone. Um, and so that's definitely one of the the main hurdles. I think also a lot of times um, there's commitment phobia that that oh. comes in where, uh, you know, two people might be talking, things seem to be going, you know, well, but then fears start to come up, right? Um, you know, in terms of well, will I be able to deal with this? Will um, is this really the person that will make me happy? And kind of searching for that sense of perfection can uh, be really uh, detrimental. Uh, of course, like family pressures, you know, get into the mix. That's that's one of the the main issues that come up too. Um, and uh, and I think one of the things that I tend to to notice, This is something I noticed before marriage and within marriage, like during marital conflicts, um, is a lot of times people don't fully know themselves mm. well enough to be able to make a choice as to what partner is going to be fulfilling for them. And then that comes up within marriage too, because if people are not self-aware and don't know themselves, don't know their needs, don't know their triggers and things like that, then that's going to result in conflicts escalating. Um, because you, you know, one of the, one of the things that can really be a factor in leading to a successful marriage is a greater sense of self-awareness, right? And so Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're looking to get married, you can't pick someone that you want to be with unless you know yourself enough to know what you need in that partner. Right. And I I think a lot of times people really struggle with that.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's, um. Yeah, that's, uh, that's that. You know, we said about hopelessness. That's what um, mm. Layla, another sister, was saying, and, and I definitely see that as well. That and and so then, um, do you? So in that situation, do you then give them because the things that we know, ultimately, it's in it's in Allah's control whether we get married, but there are things that we can do, isn't it? You know, a person. Right. There's um, and so what kind of advice do you then give to sisters? In that
1: situation so you know you're right on point w- with what you're mentioning is that you know Allah is the best of planners Allah mm. has decreed things you know within their right time with the right person at the best point right all of these different things so one of the things that I often um, tell people who are really struggling with hopelessness about the future and unknown right feeling being able to tolerate the distress that comes with uncertainty is a really important therapeutic principle, right? So we work a lot on that in terms of, you know, accepting that, okay, well, this is the reality right now. Um, There are certain things that I can change. There are certain things that I can't change. The things that I can change that goes in with like the hadith of the prophet where he recommends you tie your camel And you trust in Allah, right? So the things you can change is tying your camel. Do what you can, you know, contact people that in your inner circle to let them know that you're looking for, uh, for people who would be a good partner for you in marriage. Um, Looking into these apps, even though a lot of times they're exhausting and really unfulfilling, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Looking into all the different alternatives that you can, you know, all the different paths that you can, can, is, is a way of tying your camel, and then, and simultaneously, trusting in Allah when it comes to the things that you can't control. And one of the ways that I really recommend doing that is getting to know who Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is. And the best way to do that is through His uh, beautiful names and attributes. So really looking into, listening to lectures about the names of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, reading about them, um, you know, getting to know who Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Because if you're going to be able to trust the uncertainty right to be able to trust that oh things are uncertain that i can't control but they're in the hands of someone that i can trust unequivocally Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. the only way you can do that is if you know who allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly is and how how um how amazing and uh how how much he's like al hafiz right that he's your protector he's the one who's always gonna have your back and 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 watch out for you That he's al Alim, right he's the one who knows and we're not supposed to be the ones who know because that is the name of allah he's the one who knows there's no uncertainty for him even if there's uncertainty for us right so the way when you get to know allah it can really help through that process
0: mm-hmm. that's such good advice yeah it's um yeah, thank for that. I hope the uh, listeners uh, who are in that situation really, you know, okay. um, take stock of that. Um, so then, so okay, so then once now, alhamdulillah, you know, we're married and then um, issues arise. Now, first of all, I'd like to, I'm wondering if, like, there's certain issues that are, um, I don't know whether it's triggers or whatever we want to call it, that, or reasons why conflict happens in marriages. I've got your views on that, but, what are one or two like what are, the, do you, are you noticing are the problems that keep popping up when it comes when you're speaking to, to your clients
1: that's a great question um it's a little hard to pick one or yeah, two i know that's right. what i was thinking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um i will say kind of going back to what we were talking about in terms of self-awareness like a lack of self-awareness in knowing your triggers why they trigger you right like why does if your husband leaves the socks on the floor why is that such like why does that get such a big reaction? out of you, mm-hmm. right? So understanding what you need in a relationship, um, and then also knowing how to self-regulate, regulate your emotions. So all of this comes under the, the, the umbrella of self-awareness. Um, and I think that that, you know, that's definitely, those are some of the things that can um, impact a marriage. Uh, and then, you know, this is, this sounds very cliche, but it's absolutely true, uh, communication issues. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, you know, a lot of times when I'm sitting in a session with a couple, one, you know, the, the, the wife will say something, you know, and will share a concern and I'll have the husband then repeat it. And, you know, I always tell them, I know this sounds silly, mm-hmm. but I want you to just reflect back what you heard her say. What did you hear her say right there is her concern. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times what happens is, he says something that is not at all what she initially said,
0: right? Mm -hmm. Because he
1: heard it differently than she intended it. And the same goes for when a husband shares something, the wife, you know, um, says it, you know, says it very differently. You know, I remember once I was working with um, in family therapy, I was working with a teen and, uh, and his mom and, you know, I, we were talking about, okay, well, what's one thing that you, you know, that, that you do, you appreciate about your mom. And he shared, you know, I appreciate that she works really hard for our family. You know, um, she, she's, she's a really hard worker. I really appreciate that she does that for us. And so I asked her, okay, you know, reflect back what you heard your son say. And she said, you know, I heard that, you know, he's thinking that I'm just not at home enough. I'm not present with the family enough because I'm working too much.
0: Um, And, you know,
1: so, so she's hearing it Mm -hmm. in the way that she thinks he means it, right? The way that she feels. Is the way that she's going to hear whatever is being conveyed, and that's usually what happens in couples. Is whatever we're feeling. If we feel like the person sitting across from us has resentment or animosity toward us, whatever comes out of their mouth, even if it's something kind, we're going to hear in a twisted way. So, you know, a wife, you know, husband brings home um, takeout for dinner, and he says, you know, I know you had a long day with the kids, so I just wanted to make it easier on you. She thinks he thinks I can't handle it. He thinks I, you know, I can't handle the kids and the cooking and stuff. He thinks I'm not good enough to be able to do it because this is how she's feeling about herself. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And so this is all like, it all comes down to communication, the stories that we tell ourselves and that we create in our minds. So then
0: how do you, um, you, because you're, you hit the nail on the head there, Sarah, you know, um, it's, that's so true. And I'm sure listeners probably thinking this right now as well um so then how do um okay so we're not commute the way we're communicating but also one of the reasons why we end up doing that is because we were never taught how to communicate with each mm-hmm.
1: other mm-hmm.
0: you know who t- who tells anyone how to okay we were taught how, we know how to talk but you know or even like then you think i don't want to say what i really think because then what I'm really thinking is really bad, you know, like, um, I have, so how do you moderate, like you said, moderate your, or even actually, to be honest, how do you know what your, like, instead of being emotional, be rational, how, how do you do that?
1: It's, you know, and you're absolutely right that we have not been taught, like, this is a skill, mm. it's a skill, right? And, and it has to be taught in order to be built and it has to be practiced in order to be successful at it, just like anything else, you know, in whatever jobs we have, we undergo a lot of training, um, and, and practice for that training. But when it comes to marriage, there's this expectation that it's all supposed to come naturally and be easy. And, you know, a lot of times, um, that's what couples will say is, well, if he really loved me, then he Mm -hmm. would know what I need without me having to tell him or the opposite where the husband would say that. And that is completely unrealistic. Right. Um, or, you know, if she really loved me, then she would know that I love her. I don't need to keep saying it, you know, but it's unrealistic. So number one, I think in in dealing with this is understanding your expectations. Are your expectations based on reality or based on Disney, Bollywood, Hollywood, you know, like unrealistic um, ideas about what love and marriage truly are. So having ironing out, you know, the expectations, you know, in terms of what you expect from your spouse, whether it's realistic, right, Um, and and working on that. And that, again, goes back to self-awareness. So number one is knowing, knowing, it's called metacognition, knowing the thoughts that you are, that are going through your head, being able to identify them. And once you're able to identify those thoughts, then you can work on them. If you don't know what you're thinking, if you don't know the the way that you're talking to yourself or thinking about others, thinking about your spouse, if you're not taking a moment each day to really reflect on that, then you can't change the thought process. So the first step is just being aware of that thought process. Um, When you are dealing with your spouse, right, is going into these discussions with a goal of understanding right? Um, The Prophet ﷺ, you know, once said that, that, can. do you want me to tell you what is better than prayer, charity, and fasting? And so, you know, his companion said, yes, of course, you know, they want to know what could be better than this. And he said, putting things right between people. Mm. So, So if you go into a discussion with your spouse, with the intention that you're trying to put things right between you and him, then mm-hmm. you're like, there's so much barakah, so many blessings that come from that because you're getting the reward, a reward that's better than charity, fasting and prayer, subhanallah, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the you know, going into it with that intention makes a huge difference and it transforms the process from the idea of, I need to win this, right? Like I need mm-hmm. to win this argument, this conflict, this, whatever it is. And you go into it with the intention, I need to understand what he or she is trying to tell me so that we can work on this and fix things and make this right between us, right? So I'm gonna try not to get defensive as I listen. Um, I'm going to try and empathize, right? I'm gonna try and say, okay, um, I can see why you would be upset about that. And then I'm gonna try to understand, okay, so if I understand right, is this what you're trying to say, right? You're clarifying right? And then also, I'm going to try to repair as things start, if things start to get a little bit topsy-turvy, and things start to escalate, I'm going to try to repair, right? The Prophet ﷺ says that I guarantee a house on the outskirts of Jannah, of paradise, for the person who leaves an argument, even if they're right, right? So when you try to repair, as you're arguing with your spouse, then you are trying to leave the argument, even if you're, you're right in this situation. And, and as I say this, I'm talking about normal marital situations, not abusive, Uh, abusive situations are completely different. So just to put that out there Um, and a repair would look something like, uh, you know, I think what you're saying makes sense. Or, or if you're feeling defensive, just saying, okay, I'm feeling a little bit defensive. Maybe let me just take a breather for a few minutes and we can come back and talk about this. Or, you know, so if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're trying to say is, or apologizing, you know, like, I'm sorry for doing this, or thank you for saying that, or doing that, etc. Right. So, so these are all ways that when you're in the middle of a conflict, you can, you can make it something that's actually productive, that can bring you closer, rather than something that will pull you apart.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that sounds like we need to let our egos um, go. We mustn't let our ego get into this. And what you said about, I have to be right and I have to win the argument. Um, yeah, and, and that, so that is really important, being aware that it's, that's not actually gonna bring happiness, that like, what is it that you wanna
1: achieve out of this discussion? Absolutely, um, absolutely. There's actually a saying in, um, in the field of marriage counseling that if someone's winning, then everyone's losing in an, in an argument, because if you're winning, then, then that means the priority is me, myself and I,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: the the priority should be the marriage and you as you, as a partnership, as a couple, right. Um, You as a, as, as husband and wife. And so if one of you is winning, then both of you are losing in the end, because is this argument truly the battle that you want to win or is the marriage what you want to win? Right. And then what you said about ego is, is so important because that's also something that tends to come up a lot in, um, in marriage is shifting the blame, right? Instead of taking responsibility for the role that you're playing in a struggle, you shift the blame to the other person. And it's all about what they're doing or not doing rather than considering, well, I wonder what role might I be contributing to this issue? You know, what might I, you know, what might I be doing that is, um, you know, further, further, you know, pushing us apart, or, you know, making, you know, making my husband or wife unhappy, you know, and so, so uh, taking responsibility for for your role as well is really important. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think, so Mashala, I, so I think all of that was so good. And, and um, have you written a book, some? Because you really do need to write a book. That's what's going on in my head right now. <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet of you, Jezak-Lafir. Um, no, I'm being serious. <laughs> that this is such, this is like gold, this is, that this is what we need to be hearing and reading. Because do you find, like, I know in my experience, um, you know what happens, you have an argument with your husband, and then you go and call your mum or your sister or your friend, and you only give your version of the of mm-hmm. the argument. And the the friends and family... They'll always just say, Oh no, you're in the right. And yeah, he's in the wrong. And it, you get a lot of, um, you don't get that advice that you just give. You get the, it's well, it's just, um, compounding your, you know, it's not helping. It, it's just fueling the fire yeah. or, um, definitely not saying, well, do you think you did, did something wrong? I very rarely did I ever hear that when I would, you know, be moaning about my husband.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it is really hard in a friendship relationship to do that. Um, I've noticed, and, and you know, the the ideal friendship relationship involves keeping one another in check, but it's very difficult to do that without, um, without feeling like, Oh, you're not on my team. Mm -hmm. You know, like here I am venting to you and I need validation. I don't need you telling me that I'm not doing things right. So that's where I really feel like it's powerful when people talk to a therapist, right? Because the way I talk to my friends versus the way I talk to my clients is really diff- different, you know, mm-hmm. with my, with my friends, you know, I have to be a little bit more cautious except friends that, you know, I've, I, I have had for many, many years and we know each other on that level. Right. Mm-hmm. But typically you have to be a little bit more cautious, you know, um, in, in terms of the way that you, you say things and, you know, being careful, but with my clients, I can call them out you know mm-hmm. and and um and i do like i'm i you know i always tell them i'm kind of a little bit of a tough therapist you know i'm not just going to be there to say you know like how do you feel or yes you're absolutely right like that's just mm-hmm. not my style and um and so i call them out when it needs to be done and it's so it's very helpful when you get somebody who is an objective non-friend right mm-hmm. who is going to look and pick things apart with you and hold you accountable so you can grow it can be very, um, very powerful.
0: Yeah, and that's really, that's the, that's the advice we need when we're having going through um, issues like this. So, so alhamdulillah, so you've, you've told us what we should do. Um, what are one, a few of the things, and actually maybe you've mentioned them already that we shouldn't be doing. So when an issue, when we can feel, okay, I'm getting angry, my husband has done something. And so how, what should we not do?
1: So, you know, there, like, you know, like we were um, talking about, there are a few things that we already mentioned in terms of, uh, you know, being able, we should not kind of ignore the inner dialogue that's going on in our head, because that's going to tell you why you are reacting in the way that you're reacting, reacting. We shouldn't ignore what we need in this situation. We should be able to identify, okay, you know, underneath this anger, there is a need. You know, am I feeling unappreciated, unvalued, uh, disrespected, whatever it is. So what do I need in order to feel better, right? Um, We, you know, shouldn't ignore the role that we play in the situation. We should take responsibility. And then also, you know, we shouldn't assume, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's one of the big issues that comes up is, well, I know what you're thinking. I know why you did this. I know you don't care about me because if you really cared about me, the socks wouldn't be on the floor or whatever it is. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: there are assumptions that, um, that come up, you know, and so being very careful not to do that. And then the assumptions also are not just, you know, mind reading right. Where I think I know why my spouse did or said what he, he did, but also the assumption that I know what my spouse needs in order to feel loved, in order to feel respected, in order to feel cared for, that's actually not a safe assumption. And that can lead to a lot of conflicts too, um, because there's something called uh, love languages. And, uh, and so there are like five different categories and there could be more, um, but it's things like quality time, Mm-hmm. Uh, so spending quality time together, words of affirmation, saying kind things to one another, gift giving, mm-hmm. um, physical affection. And that can be anything from holding hands to hugging, intimacy, um, all of that. And then also acts of service where, you know, somebody helping you with something, you know, like somebody doing the dishes for you, somebody taking your car to be serviced and, and things like that, that those are acts of service. And these are all different ways of showing and feeling loved. Now, the problem that tends to come up is that we assume that our spouse wants to be loved in the same way we want to be loved. So meaning, if for me, it's very important to, um, to let's say, receive gifts, and you give your spouse a gift to show that you love them, I mean, that's very kind, right? But if you're not, if, if his love language is, um, is physical affection, for example. And that's just not really a, an important part of the relationship right now.
0: Mm-hmm. The gift
1: will not be enough for him to feel loved, right? Uh-huh. And yes. so, so you know, realizing that we receive love a lot of times in different ways than other people receive love is is an important thing to know that we don't have, um, to, to, to not fall into the trap of, uh, of, of that assumption. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, and that kind of comes... When we were speaking earlier, you mentioned mind shifts. Yes. Um, what, could, could you just elaborate on, on that? Are you saying it's important Absolutely. for... Because where it's not about... One of the things I've realised is that you cannot fix another person or change another person. That's not in your control. It's like, you know, when you you have a non-Muslim friend and you're giving him dower and then you think, Oh, why aren't they becoming Muslim? You can't change. It's up to them. In the same way, you can't change your husband, but you can change yourself.
1: Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And mindset shifts are so important in in every relationship, right? Not just in a marriage, but in every relationship. And, you know, you were asking what's something that we shouldn't do. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would say one of the things that we shouldn't do is, we tend to fall under this like unhealthy thought pattern of minimizing the good and magnifying the bad, right? Mm -hmm. Where we, where whenever someone does something, it's never quite good enough because we're focused on all the things they're not doing. And that's the same with anything in life, right? If we choose to focus on what we lack rather than what we have, life is going to be pretty miserable. And so creating a mindset shift of actually magnifying the good, and minimizing the bad, again, in a regular marriage, not uh, an abusive one, um, you know, our brains tend to naturally pay attention to the negatives. Uh, but in order for us to maintain a healthy marriage, it's actually interesting, there was a study done, where um, in order to the, the five to one ratio of positive to negative interactions were needed to be maintained In order to basically not get divorced. And the ideal was a 20 to 1 ratio of positive to negative interactions. And a positive interaction is something as simple as like smiling at your spouse or saying salam in the morning or a hug or anything like that, right? Um, And so when we look for what our spouse is doing well, when we magnify what they're doing right, that is really, really powerful because number one, People love to be affirmed. People love to be validated. They love for the good that they do to be seen. And it makes them want to do more, right? And it helps you mm-hmm. to connect uh, much better. And then also when we keep in mind that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises us, "La la شَكَرْتُمْ right? That he says that if you're grateful, then I will certainly give you more. You know, that's one of the most amazing uh, manifestations of this ayah, subhanAllah, is that when like the more that we choose to see our blessings, the more blessings we then begin to see, right? So when we start to train our brain to focus on what we have rather than what we lack, we begin to see more and more of that goodness and we begin to receive more and more of that goodness as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, Alhamdulillah, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um uh yeah so alhamdulillah that was uh loads of pearls of wisdom there um so again could you just let us know where what's the best way to let's say a sister wants to book a session with you how can she get in touch with you uh
1: so she can uh so right now i will uh let you know I'm i'm at capacity but um i do have a waiting list i do only work with clients who are located in um either New York or Texas, because I'm licensed in both those states. Uh-huh. Um, but anyone can email me to help them find a therapist. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I can send them uh, websites that might help them in their search for a Muslim therapist, inshallah. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they can just email me at therapy at com, And um, I'd be happy to help them uh, find someone, inshallah, mm-hmm. that would be a good fit.
0: And so your, and your website is com. I'll put that mm-hmm. in the uh, podcast notes. And you're also on Instagram. Is that correct? Yes.
1: Yep, I am. Sarah Sultan Therapy.
0: Okay. All right. So, to um, that, I th- I have found that really useful. Um, everything you said. And, you know, may Allah reward you and give you barakah in your work. Um, I mean, and, you know, um, uh, do you, like I saw your video on YouTube, actually, with, um, it was about the pen um, when COVID first came out. Uh, do you, mm-hmm. do you, and also you, you did a speech somewhere. Where, where was that?
1: uh so so I, I i maybe you're thinking about the ICNA one um, about it. trauma yeah so um when i uh the the series there've been a few things that um another therapist Nejwa awad and i published on yaqeen institute's website and um the the longest one or the most thorough one so far has been a series on trauma and the impact that trauma can have on our faith uh mm. so uh, and so that's probably I'm guessing that might be the one that you're that you're thinking of
0: yeah, yeah, that was it, and that was um you know I, I, I found it really useful because it's um, it's quite interesting I, I think it's really nice that there are Muslim therapists like yourself available now because um, as a community it's not a criticism of us, but it's it's just a fact that we we're, we're not used to um, going to therapists problems were usually the kept in house, and you know you don't want to it's like kind of admitting that you're weak or, or for whatever reason, that's fine. But the point is, there's nothing wrong with going to a therapist, is there?
1: No, absolutely. You know, subhanAllah, it's, it's one of the, you know, like Allah, the Prophet said that for every disease that has come, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also sent a cure, right? And so, you know, whenever our mental health is suffering, that's part of our health. And if Allah gives us the means to be able to work on that, um, it's it's a very powerful thing to grab onto, and it can be very very helpful. And so, you know, when we do it with the intention that we're doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to take care of the the amana or like the trust that Allah has given us with our health and our our wellness, um, it can it's uh, it, that that kind of intention can uh, can really be a blessing when you're starting this work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alhamdulillah. That's, uh, that's excellent. Okay. So I will let you go. And inshallah, I'd love to have you back on. Um, yeah, we'll like arrange we'll something. Um, but again, thanks for your time. And uh, inshallah, I hope you have the, the rest of your days really, you know, productive and, and, you know, you get all the appointments out of the way in time, inshallah.
1: Wa iyaakum. Jazakum Allah khair for having me on, uh, on your wonderful podcast. It was such a pleasure to speak with you uh, and I definitely look forward to doing it again, inshallah.
0: Inshallah.
1: as, as- alaykum. Wa alaykum as wa rahmatullah.
0: Welcome to Smart Muslimah podcast. Inshallah, if you find this podcast episode useful, please subscribe and tell your friends and family about Smart Muslimah. Also, good news, I have a newsletter and that's how we can stay in touch. To subscribe, please go to smartmuslima.com. Details are also in the podcast notes. In the newsletter, I'll be sharing my book recommendations, productivity tips and online courses that I've created and also information about a new book that I'm writing called Smart Single Muslimer. Inshallah, it will help you to transform the way you approach love and relationships.